you have your Bible, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And we've been talking about fighting the good fight of faith. Hallelujah. Jude, Jude talks about contending for the faith. When we talk about contending for the faith or fighting for the faith, it's, it's not a, we, we, as we've seen, it's not a flesh battle. It's not a, we don't war with flesh and blood. It's, it's uh, you're not my enemy. Your spouse isn't your enemy. You know, your boss is not your enemy. Um, people that may have done you wrong in the past are not your enemy. You know, fighting the good fight of faith is about standing on the Word of God and not allowing circumstances to move you to the left hand or the right. You know, Proverbs chapter 4 talks about how, how the Word that we should, we should that, that the Word of God, that we should be diligently, that we should diligently guard our hearts, guard the Word in our hearts. And, and it talks about it because it's life and health to all our flesh. It goes on and it talks about that we should not look to the left hand or the right, but look on with fixed purpose. Well, you're looking with fixed why? Because you know what the word says. You're you're making your heart. Everything has to do with the heart, and yes. and so that my heart is going to be immovable yes. in the midst of situations, in the midst of circumstances. And so, fighting a good fight of faith, it's it's about possessing what's been promised, and it's about it's about protecting what's already been given. Right? That's what this fighting the good fight of faith is all about. So let me get to First Timothy chapter six. So if not, I'll just keep talking and. And uh, stay on our assignment. Hallelujah. First Timothy chapter 6 says, Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life. You know, a, a lot of, <laughs> oftentimes there's some, been some big arguments about different teachings and people had different perspectives that, okay, right now we're in this. This, everything's about grace. Everything's about grace, you know, because of grace, you know, uh, that man, that's, that's where it is, is grace, you know. And I mean, I'm, trust me, I'm grateful for the grace of God, aren't you? But you can't, you can't ever teach one message undivided. You can't just teach people, oh, everything's about prayer. Or, because you know, what happens if you just stay on one message, then, then it's not rightly dividing the word of truth. Then what happens is you're going to get off somewhere. You know, um, you know, I like what John Bevere says. If if you he, he talks about it, about the difference between legalism and lawlessness. You know, if you're you're legalistic, you're going to be in a ditch this way. If you're lawless, you're going to be ditching this way. That's why we have to walk right down the center. You know, so so with this per- perspective of uh, of faith, you know, you you can't acquire grace apart from faith. Amen. Faith is how you acquire what's God's promised. So you can't, it's not just grace. No, if you don't know about faith, it's going to be hard for you. You really need to understand and stand in the grace that's already been given and the grace that's already been provided, right? And so, so here, you know, if it was just all about grace, then why would Paul say fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life? Meaning, meaning there's something, if it's just by grace, then, then there's nothing we have to do, right? But there's a difference between vital redemption and legal redemption, 
Legal is what Jesus already provided for us. That's, that's what caused you to, to obtain righteousness. Jesus went to the cross legally. He died on the cross. He rose again. So therefore, you have the legal right to operate and be righteous, right? That's the legal aspect of redemption. But there's the vital aspect of redemption that has to do with living out that righteousness, walking out that righteousness. So there's this aspect of fighting the good fight of faith and laying hold of eternal life, laying hold of meaning, meaning it's not going to, it's not just going to happen. It's not just going to fall off like ripe, ripe apples off a tree, meaning because there's going to be things that are going to try to destroy my faith. And if things destroy your faith, then it's going to be difficult to operate in the grace, right? So let's go to uh, Mark chapter 11. I'm going to do a little bit of review from last week. Mark chapter 11. Thank you, Father. Verse 22 says, And Jesus replying said to them, Have faith in God. Truly I tell you, whoever says to this mountain, Be lifted up and thrown in the sea, and does not doubt at all in his heart, but believes that what he says will take place, it will be done for him. So here, this aspect of having the God kind of faith, and he says, and does not doubt in his heart. You see, that's what the, where the fight is. The fight is, is, is the heart. It's the, you know, we've been talking about this, this fight. You know, uh, Ephesians talking about, you know, we don't war against flesh and blood. But against principalities, against rulers of darkness. And, and it says, stand against the wiles of the enemy, Right? Because the enemy, the walls, it's, it's the, the deceptions. It's the tricks of the enemy. That's what the what spiritual warfare is all about. It's the, it's the strategy of the enemy. It's the attacks of the enemy. It's the suggestions of the enemy. It's the deceptions that, 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 that war against your soul. It's the, the imaginations. You know, Corinthians talks about casting down every imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So, and this is bringing into captivity every thought. So we, last week we talked about don't be ignorant of his devices. And what are those devices? They're all based on the mind. They're all based on the mind. Well, when you're standing in faith, the biggest thing that's going to come against you are going to be the attacks that come in your mind. Meaning, meaning it, it, it's not going to happen. God doesn't love you. God doesn't care. You made too many mistakes. You're a failure. You're a loser. And, and so forth. All to do what? To shake your faith. Right. To destroy your faith. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. I mean, it's Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Because it's standing against the attacks of the enemy. And where are those attacks? In the mind. See, the enemy will come with thoughts that will turn to imaginations. He'll come, come with different deceptions and have you meditate on those deceptions. And they're to get you to pull off of what you believe for you to go in a different direction. Standing against the wiles of the devil. Hallelujah. Standing against the wiles of the devil. 
before I read this, just, just reminding you of that scripture in Ephesians 6, where it says, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore. You know, you know, being ready in battle, standing. Standing there. Standing there ready. Ready, ready to be defensive and offensive. Amen. Standing. So let's look at this in Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 37. It says, For yet a little while, and he that shall come, will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. I mean, this is how we live. We, we live by faith. Say, I, I live by faith. Now, now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back. If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But verse 39 says, but we are not of them who draw back under perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul, the saving of the soul. One thing you have to you have to understand when talking about the saving of the soul, you, you know, the soul is your mind, your will and your emotions. It's the preserving of your mind, your will and your emotions. And see, that's where the tack is. It says, but we are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but unto them to the saving of the soul. Now, I want to read this to you in the complete Jewish Bible. It says this, for there is so, so little time. The one coming will indeed come and he will not delay. But the person who is righteous will live his life by trusting. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. However, we're not the kind who shrink back and are destroyed. On the contrary, we keep trusting and thus persevere or preserve our lives. Meaning, meaning because we refuse to go back, our lives are going to be preserved. Now, I, I want to read, read, read to you something that just as I trans, translated this, looking at the Greek and looking at this aspect of of the Greek, and it's talking about not drawing back to the saving of the soul. And that word saving of the soul, this is what it means in that particular verse in 1039. It says, the life destined to enjoy the messianic salvation for you. Meaning in this particular word on how it's, tra- it's, it's for you. It's not just, it's, it's for you. This is, this is something that's personal for you. So we are not of them that draw back under perdition, but under the saving of the soul. Meaning, meaning it, it's, this, is, this is about enjoying, this is laying hold of what's been promised for you. See, this is a promise for you. And it's what he desires for you. Don't limit God. Based on your past. You may say, well, pastor, you don't understand. I've had this or I've had that. I've had, you know, the doctor said this and this is the way. Of, no, no. The thing is, is it can change. The things that are that we see are subject to change. 
Meaning I'm not going to base my faith on what I see and I'm not going to base my faith on experiences or someone else's experiences. I'm going to base it on the word of God because the enemy, he's going to use experiences. He's going to use your past. He's going to use what other people said. He's going to use religion. He'll use other people's perspectives. And those things can be the very thing that's going to talk you out of the promise of God. We are not of them that draw back. We are not of them that draw back. Say that we are not of them that draw back. See, because I live by faith. And so the whole thing, it's a, it's a war in the soul. So whatever's coming in here is going to get you to either stand strong. Actually, whatever's in here is going to cause you to stand strong or whatever's coming in here is going to cause you to shrink back. And the word drawback there means to be timid, to lack confidence. And so here, this is, this is the aspect on how the enemy operates. So fighting the good fight of faith, when you're, you're standing, the thing is, is it's the things coming in here, which are the, the attacks of the enemy, the suggestions, experiences, whatever it might be. And they're going to constantly come to try to move you off of the word of God. Let's go to first Peter chapter five. Verse seven. Hallelujah. Cast all your care upon him for he cares for you. Cast all your care upon him because he care careth in the King James for you. And anytime you see TH at the end of the word and it's not just because it's Elizabethan English is because it's repetitive, meaning it's continual. He cares for you, not just one time, but he continues to care for you. So casting all your care, where are cares going to come from? Here. Here. the The care is when you get information out here that comes into here, it's and, and, and it's going and depending on what kind of care it is, is going to depend on what's in here. See, and it's not to say that that the situation you're going through isn't isn't a challenging situation. It's how do you value that report versus truth? So it depends on on what's coming into your mind that determines how is that care going to control you? We're not of them that draw back to the saving of the soul. So how, so to get me to move off of faith or draw back is going to depend on what's coming up here. And what's going to come up here is going to be something that I can trust him with or it's something that I'm going to be anxious about. See, casting all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Next verse says, be sober, be vigilant. It's, it's so important to see some people is like, well, you know, you know, we, we carry things that we were never meant to carry. There you, go. We, we, you, you and I weren't we weren't created to carry stress. Right. We were carry. We were made to create. That's how we were created. We were made to create. 
We weren't made to carry burdens. We were made to, to create solutions to burdens. That's what we were created for. We weren't created to bear the burden. We were created to destroy the burden. And so here, that's what it says. Be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because the enemy is going about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So if I don't know how to cast care, then what happens is I open myself up to the enemy to devour me. The word devour has a strong connotation of swallow, but also there, there's an aspect to this word devour as means drowning. Meaning, meaning you're so overwhelmed with care, so overwhelmed with anxiety, you feel like you're drowning. So here it says, says be sober, be vigilant. So the opposite of sober is being drunk. The opposite of being, being, um, being vigilant is, or is, is to be just uh, negligent, nonchalant, just sit back. And so here, what we have, to, we have to remind ourselves of, we're to be on the offensive. And so this is saying, saying you know, don't be sober, be vigilant, meaning, meaning you need to wake up. You, you need to be alert here. Why? Because, because the enemy is going about as a roaring lion. And sometimes, you know, sometimes the care and, and, and hear me, I, I'm not, I, I don't want to be inconsiderate of, of challenges that you've been through, but I want you to understand that, that the, that's the enemy wants you to sit back and just continue to bombard your mind with things. Just keep hitting you with things, keep hitting you with things, keep hitting you with things. You know, and that's why, that's why, because he's wanting to do what he wants you to, 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 to stay in the bed. He wants you to stay laying down. He wants you to go backwards. He, he wants you not to, to create, make relationships. He wants you to, to be offended at church. He wants you to have all these different things to pull you away from the very thing that's going to bring strength to you. So that's why he says, it starts by casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, the devil, don't be ignorant of his devices. What are his devices? The mind. Suggestions, the deceptions of the mind. What's, what's, what, what does he do? We, we know the God of this world does what? He blinds. Remember, darkness blinds. Deception binds. Truth brings light. Right? Thank you, Father. And he walks about seeking whom he may devour. He wants to devour you. He wants to devour your purpose. He wants to devour your family. He wants to devour your calling. He wants to devour everything about you. He wants to devour. He he wants to devour your faith. He wants to devour, you know, uh, the word out of your life. He, he comes immediately to steal the word because he knows the, the word does what? It builds faith. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. The next verse says, whom resist steadfast in the faith. Meaning he, he's going to do what he's going to do. The question is, what are we going to do? 
Because it says, whom resists steadfast in the faith? Meaning, he's going to go about as a roaring lion. What are you going to do? Resist steadfast in the faith. Now, I, you know, I already have an idea of what, when I, read, when I read that, I know what resist means. You know what resist means. But it's interesting, when I got to, I got to looking at this word resist, and, uh, you know, I printed this out of the, you know, uh, concordance that I, that I use. And uh, the Greek word is, is spelled A-N-T-H-I-S-T-E-M-I. You see? <laughs> Which it is actually a few letters off, but it's the same word where we get antihistamine from. Now, you know, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, what an antihistamine is. What is a histamine? And please help me out here if if I'm wrong. But what a histamine is, it's something within your body that when your body has an allergic reaction to something, immediately, see, we were created, our bodies were created to heal itself. So what a histamine does, it goes to that area because it wants to get rid of whatever's causing a problem in your body. But what a histamine does, it causes your body to overwork. That's why if you're allergic to something within your nose, your nose will start running or your eyes will itch and get swollen. Why? Because there's too many histamines going to that area of your body and causing those symptoms. So an antihistamine is a blocker. It's to block the histamines from overworking. Do you see what I'm saying? So when Paul is saying, or when Peter is saying, resist, resist steadfast in the faith, what he's saying is saying, he's saying this, block him from overworking in your life. Block him from overworking in your life. Keep him from, where's he going to work in your life? So resist is keeping him in his place, keeping him in his position. Resist steadfast in the faith. In the Weiss translation, the Kenneth Weiss translation, it says this, Be of a sober mind, be watchful. Your adversary, get this, who is a slanderer, namely the devil, As a lion roaring in fierce anger is constantly walking about, always seeking someone to be devouring. Now here, stand immovable against his onset. Solid as a rock in your faith. Stand immovable against his onset. Solid as a rock in your faith. Be immovable. Come back to that here in a moment. Stand immovable like a rock. Stand fast in the faith. Stand fast in the faith. Resist the enemy. See, he, he wants to attack up here, but you need to stand immovable. We're standing against the wiles of the enemy. Because when those things come, the, 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 the attacks of the mind, you know, and in the, in the, it's producing the fear that's producing everything, you have to stand immovable. Resist steadfast in the faith. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. How does this, just kind of how the enemy operates. Thank you, Father. 
if we were to look at Luke, we don't have to, for the sake of time, turn there, but Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son. And it's not just about the one son, it's about both sons and a father. And, and here we, as we, as we look at the story, the one, they said, you know, you know, give us an, our inheritance, give, you know, and so the father divided evenly. And I'm not going to go into the, the negatives of that even request, what that means. It's something you don't ask your father because you're just consuming, considering him already dead when you're asking for your inheritance. So it's just a, a, a no-no in Jewish culture to even ask for that. But yet the father willingly gave him. And he, and he said, so it said after a short time, he decided to pack up his bags and leave. You see, there had to have been something on the inside of the prodigal son that, that said, you know what? You know what? Life would be better there. Life would be better, you know, in Vegas, so to speak. I mean, it was kind of like Las Vegas. Just work with me here. All right. You know, it, it's, it's like here, it's like, you know, I'm going to take, I'm going to take this income and I'm going to go and, and I'm going to live, live it up. I'm going to do everything I wanted to do. I'm going to do everything I desire to do. You know, I've been stuck at dad's house for so long. You know what? And you know, I've been farming, I've been doing this, I've been doing that, but you know what? I'm just going to get out and live my life. So there had to be a thought within his thinking that said, you know what? I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. There's got to be something more. You know, it's kind of like that thought of the grass is greener on the other side. And you get there and you realize there's no grass at all. You know, it's like if I just had that or if I just had this or if that was working or this was working, you know, life would be so much better. And, and see, all those things are just thoughts in the mind. That's where they begin. So something had to go off on the inside of this son to say, you know what, I'm not satisfied with being here. And see, that's how the enemy works. See, he, maybe he was always, maybe he was supposed to take over everything and take what his father had and take it to another level. But yet he was moved away from his place and moved away from his position. And see, faith is a place and faith is a position. So the enemy will come in with thoughts to do what? To move you from your place and move you from your position. And so as he goes about his life, he, you know, you know, the story, right? He, 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 he wastes all of his living and he, next thing he knows, he finds himself in a pig style, which is probably the lowest of low for a Jewish man, Jewish boy working with pigs. They couldn't eat them, let alone, I mean, think about it. But in verse 17, it says, when he came to his senses, see, this is an, an attitude of, of thinking. This is an attitude of, uh, uh, of perspective. It's an attitude of seeing things differently. See, because the enemy sowed thoughts into him, it pulled him away from his purpose. But when he came to his senses, see, when he came back to what the truth was, and, and what was the truth? Man, how many people in my father's house, servants, have more than enough to eat? You know, I, I got, you know, I grew up in a Christian home and, and, you know, I, I, I heard about God. I, you know, I, I heard the word, I knew of the Sunday school stories and, you know, I knew, I knew there was some aspect of, of God, but, but yet it wasn't, I never allowed, I'm going to say it wasn't, I never allowed it to be real to me personally. 
And so because of that, you know, all my friends were doing these things and, and doing that. And you know what? I, you know, I wanted, I wanted what they, what they were doing. I, I wanted that kind of freedom. But realizing when I got that type of freedom, it never fulfilled me. It never brought life to me. Why? Because my mind was telling me, you know, that's, it's not important. You know, God, it's just a side issue. He's, you know what? He's just, you know, and, or you know what? He'll be there later on. And that's how the enemy operates. So, so there was a time where, where I came back to my senses, where I was like, wait a minute, I've been living in deception. I've been living a lie. I've been living in something that's not produced any fruit in my life. I've been in darkness. And because I've been in darkness, I've been deceived. And because I've been deceived, my life has been continually broken. And that's not to say since I got born again, never had challenges or had challenging situations. But now I see things differently. I see things differently. Why? Because truth is always there. Truth is the only thing that can destroy deception. And, that, and, and that's resisting steadfast in the faith. To resist steadfast in the faith, I have to be grounded in truth. I have to be grounded in truth. Thank you, Father. Go to, go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Resist, stand fast in the faith. So while you're standing, while we're standing against the wiles of the enemy, we have to resist because he's always going to want to lead you in a different direction. Verse four, beloved. See, see he's talking to believers here. Beloved. Believe not every spirit. Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. So not don't believe every spirit. Don't believe every imagination. Don't believe everything that comes into your thinking. Don't believe every spirit. But try the spirits, whether they're of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Meaning, don't believe everything because there's some things. What what's a false prophet? It's someone that's declaring something opposite of the word of God. There you go. yeah. so, so when I talk about is trying the spirit, so it's the same thing. What's coming into my thinking is either going to come from truth or it's going to be deception. Verse 2 says, hereby know you the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Already in the world. It's already in the world. So, so just, just using that word world, Satan is the God of this world. So it's stuff that came in the world, then it's from the world, then it's something that's going to blind you. And if it blinds you, then it's going to bring deception, okay? Now, verse 4 says, you are of God, little children. So he's talking about what's in the world, and now he's saying you are of God, little children. All right, now let's go hold your place here. 
And let me teach for a little bit more. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Hold your place there. And you can also go to... Thank you, Father. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, just that, that you are of God, little children. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. Hallelujah. Fighting the good fight of faith. Hallelujah. Say, I'm not moving, I'm not moving back. I'm standing in faith, resisting the devil. Hallelujah. Say, I'm immovable. Thank you, Lord. Ephesians 5. Now, that's thought. You are of God, little children. Now, Ephesians 5, verse 6 says, Let no man deceive you with vain words. So what's it talking about? Deception. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. But remember, thought, you are of God, little children. It says, be, verse 7, says, be not ye therefore partakers with them. Meaning, meaning don't, don't open yourself up to the same deceptions. That word says, in verse 6, says, let no man deceive you with vain words. Vain words are empty words. They're actually, the real definition when I researched this was, was actually excuses that justify let no man deceive you because excuses that justify things. Be not, be not therefore partakers with them. Verse 8, for you were sometimes darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. So walk as children of the light. So if I'm walking as children of the light, then I'm not walking in darkness, right? And if I'm not walking in darkness, then I'm not walking in deception. Why? Because I'm children of light. And I'm not focusing on the vain words that are taking place in the world. And and the thing is, is, is those things are to deceive me. And if I'm deceived, then it's going to move me off of my position of faith. Do, do, do you see what I'm talking about tonight? I know it's, it's a, lot, a lot, lot to take in, all right? This is like, this is some meat here, all right? And so, so th- th- you have to see this because the enemy is going to come with things that are going to bring deceptions. And those deceptions are to move you off of your faith. But he says, sometimes you were darkness. Meaning you used to walk in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of the light. Hallelujah. I like the amplified that here. It says, for once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Lead the lives of those native born to the light. Now, let's look over at First Thessalonians chapter 5. Walking in light is walking in truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. David said, the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. To be children of the light is not just being saved, but it's being children of the word. It's being, it's being filled with Jesus, being conformed to the image of Jesus. Yes. Hallelujah. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, look at... Thank you, Father. Verse 4. It says, but you are not in darkness, brethren, for that day to overtake you, surprise, 
like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We do not belong either to night or to darkness. See, he's talking about in the last days. He's, He's talking about the day that you and I are living in. And he says, for you are all sons of light. Verse five, you are all sons of light and sons of the day. And we do not belong either to the night or to darkness. I mean, I don't belong to darkness anymore. I don't belong to night anymore. I belong to the light. I'm not, I'm not putting myself in position to be deceived anymore because I'm not of those that draw back. The just shall live by faith. Because I'm a child of light, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And because I am righteous, I live by faith. And because I live by faith, I will not draw back. Why? Because I'm a child of the day. I'm a child of the light. Verse 6 says, according then, let us not sleep as the rest do. Meaning that goes back to, to be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your enemy is going about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I declare, Lord, the enemy is not going to devour me. He's not going to devour my children. He's not going to devour my family. Why? Because I'm a child of the light. And like I said, I'm not saying, you say, well, Pat, you say nothing ever negative will happen. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that when something comes against me or comes into my life, I'm going to be immovable. Why? Because I'm filled with truth. I'm filled with light. Because the enemy wants to bring in the thoughts of what's not working, what's not going to happen, how it's not going to change to get me to draw back. But we're not of them that draw back. According, then let us not sleep as the rest do. But let us keep wide awake, the Amplified says. Alert, watchful, cautious, and be on guard. And let us be sober, calm, collected, circumspect. Now get this, for those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who are drunk, get drunk at night. You're like, that's actually a scripture? <laughs> See, it's all talking about how, you, how, you're, how you're living in the last days. For those who sleep, sleep at night. I mean, he wants you to be watchful. He wants you to be alert. He wants you to be, be, be sober. He wants you to be, be ready on your guard. Why? Because the enemy wants to get you in deception and to get you to draw back. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. Verse 8, but we belong to the day. But we belong to the day. I don't belong to the darkness. I don't belong to darkness. And because I don't belong to darkness, deception will not control my life. And so, I, and that's why I pray that, you know what, Lord, Holy Spirit, if there's an area of deception in my life, open my eyes. Open my eyes, if, you know, illuminate something, show me, some, reveal something to me. If I'm, if I'm in darkness anywhere, Lord, open my eyes to it. Why? Because I belong to the day. So therefore, let us be sober. Now get this, and put on the breastplate of faith. We haven't got into the weapons of our warfare yet, warfare yet in Ephesians 6 but standing against all the wiles of the enemy. And having done all to stand, stand therefore with your loins girt about with truth. And here he says this, we belong to the day. So let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith. Sober. Man, I am full of light. As I'm full of light, I put on the breastplate of faith and love. 
for a helmet, the hope of salvation. You know, think about that. When you're think about that, I'm standing firm and I'm not going to draw back. Why? Because I'm immovable, resisting, blocking. Hallelujah. The enemy. Faith works by love. And as I'm standing there, I'm holding on to the hope of my salvation. And that's not dealing with salvation to, to go to he- that you're going to heaven. When, that's salvation. That's, that's, that's deliverance in whatever you're facing. There's hope. I'm standing firm in faith, in love, because I have hope. I have an ex- expectation that deliverance is coming from this. I have an expectation that, that yes, I, that, that God is going to deliver me on the other side of this situation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The just shall live by faith. If any man draw back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them that draw back to perdition. Hallelujah. But to the saving of my soul, salvation of my soul, to lay hold of of the life, enjoying the life that the Messiah took care of for me. Hallelujah. So being children of the day is about being children of light. And and being children of day is realize, man, I put on that breastplate of faith. Hallelujah. It's interesting in Ephesians, it's a, it's a shield of faith, but in Thessalonians, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a breastplate of faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. With a hope of salvation, man. Oh, father, we thank you for your word. 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 Hallelujah. We thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that we are children of the day. We're children of light. And because we're children of light, we do not walk in darkness. So, Father, illuminate us. Hallelujah. That, that if we're facing a difficult situation right now, we're, we're facing circumstances and we're facing challenging situations, Lord, that we would stand there, Father, because we, we're going to focus on truth. Hallelujah. Go back to, uh, go back to, uh, first Peter chapter five. Now I didn't finish there in first John, but, um, but you can go back and read it as when it talks about you are, you are the children of God. You, you children are children of God. And, and he talks about how greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Right. And if you go down a little bit farther, it talks about the spirit that he talked about that we should try. It says through this, you'll know the difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Spirit of truth versus the spirit of error. What is error? Error is deception, right? And so so this light is to lead us into the spirit of truth where darkness is to lead us into a spirit of error. All right. Now let's look back here in first Peter. Just got two more, two more verses, I believe, and we'll close, all right? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions, or you say or difficulties, are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Resist steadfast in the faith, knowing the same afflictions. The Amplified says, withstand him. Be firm in faith against his onset, rooted and established, strong, immovable, and determined, Knowing that the same sufferings are pointed to your brethrenhood, the whole body of Christians throughout the world. 
I like to look at it this way, meaning what is he saying? He, he is saying you're not facing anything different than anyone else hasn't faced. You know, whatever you're going through, someone else has already, has already faced that. You're, you're not alone, all right? And, and so often when I've heard people preach this in the wrong way, they'll focus on the affliction part. You see, God just is going to afflict you. God's going to. But we have to understand God can, can't afflict us with anything he redeemed us from. If he redeemed you from, from, from sickness, he can't give you sickness. I mean, he would be, he, he would be, it would kind of be like what the, what the people said over, over G, or Jesus said to the people. He goes, he goes, well, if he cast out devils by help of Belzebub, then, then the kingdom can't stand. God would, his kingdom wouldn't stand if he, he redeems you from sickness, but yet put sickness on you. It, it's, it's not, it's not something that sickness was a result of the curse. There you go. Right. All right. Now, this is what I want you to see here, because verse 10 says, But the God of all grace, who have called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while. Now, this is really not a good translation. After you have suffered a while, meaning, meaning God's going to make you just suffer so long, and then he's going to all of a sudden come in and scoop you up and deliver you. Now, the, the word here, and I, I didn't bring this copy of, of this word and actually what it means here. It, the Amplified describes it, but it, it's actually, let me read the Amplified because it actually amplifies what it's actually trying to say. Verse 10 says, and after you have suffered a little while, a little while, the actual rendering of this is in a moment. In a moment, it's not some is not some drawn out period. It's not some long term thing. It's it, it's not it's not anything. So because he's dealing with persecution here, he's dealing with the last days. He's dealing with all sorts of things. So he's talking about the the afflictions that that the children of God are experiencing. So he's talking about persecution and those types of things, not dealing with sickness or poverty and those types of things. You see what I'm saying? But the God of all grace, who had called us unto eternal glory, you've been called into eternal glory. After that, you have suffered a while. And like that, that, if you look it up and you go look for yourself, it's just a little, just a little. He'll make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Now, when I started this scripture, I talked about casting all your care upon him. Now, if you look up each one of these words, in First Peter chapter ten, here and it says, "What, what is going to after this little while?" So, soon as this happens, the moment that this, these things that you're facing, God's working on your behalf, and what He makes you do what? So, the God of all grace, the God of grace, what is grace? His ability to help you do what you can't do in your own ability. Okay, so the God of all grace, soon as you're experiencing these afflictions, He's going to work. Now, now hear this. Because it says that he makes you perfect. Now, the word perfect here means make you what you ought to be. Now, the word establish here is to make you firm. The word strengthen means to make you strong. The word settle is he will establish you. Now, those are what those words mean. But each one of these words have to do with your soul. 
If you look these words up, they're actually going to tell you. When you look these words up, it's actually going to say, going to make you what you ought to be, then establish you as to make you firm in your mind. So, because it's all about the mind, casting all your care upon him. Resist steadfast in the faith. And soon as these attacks are coming in you, what is he going to do? The God of all grace is coming in and he's going to make you firm in your mind. He's going to, he's going to make you strong in your soul. And he's going to establish and make your soul stable. We are not of them that draw back. We are not of them that draw back. See, when the God, when you allow the grace of God, to, when you allow light to work, truth to work, you're allowing the God of grace to work. And when you do that, he's going to make you what you ought to be. Hallelujah. You know, th- think about Joseph for a moment. Think about him standing, you know, in front of his brothers. Even his brothers had the concept and said, you know, now that our dad's dead, you know, I, I bet you're going to you're going to kill us. But yet Joseph made this statement. He said, he said, fear not, for I'm in the place of God. Meaning I'm right where I need to be. You know, I don't know what difficult situations you've encountered, what you've gone through, what your family has gone through. You know what? And I, I wouldn't make, not make light of any of those things. But I want you to know that God of grace is present. He went on to say, what the enemy meant for evil. See, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What Joseph said, what the enemy meant for evil, God is going to reweave for good. He's going to reweave for good. The word is, is he's going to, he's going to, whatever you've gone through, he's going to do a work in you. Now, he, God's not the one that did it. God didn't put him in, God didn't put him in the, in the pit there. Now, his brother sold him into slavery. God didn't do that. God didn't put him in the prison. Pharaoh's wife lied on him and put him there. The enemy put him there because the enemy didn't want God's people to be fed. Because he knew there was a famine coming. Now, I don't know why he he went through all those things. I, I think if he kept his mouth shut, he probably wouldn't have gone through a lot of those things. And just kept the dream to himself. I mean, it's a whole nother message, but, but, but the whole point was, was I, we don't, we can't figure some of those things out, but, but what we can know is that the moment the God of all grace, he's going to perfect that, which concerns me. He's going to strengthen my soul. He's going to establish me. He's going to strengthen me. Amen. Now let me close with this second Peter chapter three. Father, I thank you for your word. The God of all grace, the God of all grace. Hallelujah. See, in this standing firm, relying on grace. Oh, Father, I thank you. It's your grace that's going to make me what I ought to be. See, it's not you making what you ought to be. It's his grace making you what you ought to be. I think that's, that can bring a lot of freedom. It's, you need to stop perfecting yourself and allowing the grace of God to perfect you. Second Peter chapter 3. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Let's look at verse 14. So, beloved, since you're expecting these things, be eager to be found by him at his coming without, excuse me, without spot or blemish and at peace. I'm reading the Amplified. In serene confidence, free from fears and agitating passions and moral conflicts. 
Man. Hallelujah. Be found, get that. Be found in him without spot or blemish and at peace. Hallelujah. Remember Thessalonians talked about in the last days, have children of the day, right? With that breastplate on. Here he says that when he returns, that you'll be at peace. Verse 15, and consider that the long suffering our Lord, his slowness avenging wrongs and judging the world is salvation. <laughs> Aren't you great for his long, long, his long suffering? <laughs> Why? Because he wants people to be saved. That which is conducive to the soul's safety, even as our beloved brethren. Now get this. Even as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you, wrote to you according to the spiritual insights given him. So now he's going to talk about some of Paul's writings. And this is where people had, this is where, the, where I think Peter comes in and corrects some of the grace message that was taught. Verse 16 says, speaking of this as he does, he's talking about Paul's letters, right? Speaking of this as he does in all his letters, there are some things in those epistles of Paul that are difficult to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist and misconstrue to their own destruction, just as they distort and misunderstand the rest of scriptures. I mean, they're taking some of what Paul is preaching or writing and, and trying to turn it around for their own, own gain or to try to fit into their lifestyle. Then he says this, verse 17, Let me warn you, therefore, beloved, that knowing these things beforehand, you should be on guard, lest you be carried away by the error of lawless and the wicked and fall from your own present firm condition. Meaning these other teachings, there's things that are going to come to your mind that's going to do what? Try to move you away from your firm condition. But verse 18, but grow in grace. But grow in grace. I'm not preaching against grace. I'm talking about growing in grace. But in order to grow in grace, we need to understand about being firm in faith. But grow in grace. Undeserved favor, spiritual strength, and recognition and knowledge and understanding of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Meaning, how, do you, how are we living until he, he comes? Growing in grace, being firm in faith, waiting for His return. Hallelujah. Father, I thank You for Your Word tonight. Lord, and I thank You for just continuing to illuminate our hearts and illuminating our lives. Lord, and I just thank you, Lord, for just light. I thank you, Lord, that every we are children of light. We are children of the day. And Father, I thank you that we are living by faith. And we make a decision that we will not draw back. We will not draw back. No matter what the enemy and the suggestions of the enemy come into our thinking, Father, we're going to stand firm in grace, standing, growing in grace, standing firm in faith. And as we're standing firm in faith, growing in that grace, I thank you that you're going to make us what we ought to be. You're going to establish us. You're going to strengthen us in every area of our lives. And we will not be tossed to and fro by every different wind of doctrine or or the way the enemy tries to come into our thinking. We will not be double-minded in all our ways. But, Father, we'll be fixed, trusting in the Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. You receive this word tonight. Hallelujah. Well, give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Joseph, come on up. Amen.